actually the 10th introduction <laughs> we've recorded. And the rest of the podcast has actually already been completed. We, we're just trying to nail this intro. <laughs> and actually, we've got this document up where it's a, it's a structure. It's like, oh, our intro. Hi, welcome. And then Isabella says something. And then we have this. With, anyway, it's it's a mess. So we've decided to just riff it. And this is what we're going to do. All right. It is what it is. Yes. Here we go. So, Hi. And thank you for listening to our podcast, As I Am. It's a podcast about the Asian-Australian experience. And we are your two hosts. My name is Jeff. And my name is Isabella. And thank you so much for tuning in. We're very excited to host our very first episode. So just a brief introduction into who we are. I am a Vietnamese Australian, born and raised in Melbourne, Australia. I studied here, did my bachelor's here, and I'm currently a law student. So I'm a Chinese Australian, or oh, I almost forgot that part, and I also studied at the same university, University of Melbourne. Uh, I did a Bachelor of Arts, and now I'm working in consulting. So I think one of the key points that we wanted to bring forward about why we're doing this podcast is to share through essentially what is our lived experiences of being an Asian Australian over the course of our lives, and we wanted to talk about sort of the similar but also different experiences we've been through in a lot of ways and how that differentiates between being Vietnamese and being Chinese, mm. being a woman, being mm. a man. And I think that difference but that similarity is something that needs to be unpacked. Absolutely. And we've always had these amazing conversations between ourselves and our, you know, individual like Asian friends about, you know, the struggles and the joys of growing up with these dual identities. However, we felt like you know, there was a lack of a space where we could come together and talk about these things. And we felt like a podcast would be a great avenue to be raw and vulnerable. About yeah, exactly. Issues. And I think for both of us, this is one of those things where it's a journey that we're going along with you as well. And listeners, I think I look back at a lot of my childhood and there's still a lot of things that I've yet to unpack, potentially because I don't want to. And I think this podcast will offer a great opportunity to do that as well so it's it's definitely mutual so we hope yeah. you enjoy coming on this journey with us so how did this idea start i actually remember being at the nail salon i've just finished an assignment and i was celebrating and <laughs> i got a message from jeff being like hey do you listen to podcasts and i i just like had this assumption i was like oh my god absolutely jeff like you know hit me up i've got so many podcasts to recommend and then it hits me with the, I want to start a podcast. And oh, I remember my heart just like, yeah, yeah I was that so was excited. an exciting day. It was very exciting. It was an exciting day. It was day. like chaotic energy. It I was know, very exciting. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts is by David Chang, um, who's mm. one of my favorite chefs in the world and very outspoken and opinionated guy, which is kind of what I respect him for because he kind of just speaks his mind and mm. he's very passionate about his views. And in one of his episodes, I think it was the one with Alan Yang, the um, the director who uh, did Master of None and he wrote for South Park and Parks and Recs and stuff, so quite well known. Um, they were just chatting about why, about sort of representation, particularly in the film industry at the time, but just broadly Asian representation in Western society as a whole. And they were just saying, there's, there's none of it. Like, mm. there, there's literally barely any places where you can go and talk about these sort of issues and it's one of those things where it's not that there aren't i think there's just not as many opportunities for it to be done and 
there needs to be a change. There needs oh, to be absolutely. there needs to be more, I guess, grassroots projects. Mm. Um, just to start it from the bottom and hopefully create some sort of change broadly and make a lot of these topics sort of a bit more mainstream, a bit more spoken about. Mm. Because yeah, I think there is a lot to unpack here. Absolutely. Like can you even name me five Asian Australians or famous? Like, yeah, we tried even, to do yeah. this because we were like, oh, potential guests for the yeah, show. We literally had to what we had to it was like Leland Chin Leland Chin yeah Luke Wing yeah Ronnie Chang but yeah. then can we claim him like yeah you know, you know he like he's, he barely comes back to Australia yeah. and all that sort of stuff so yeah you, as you can see there's just not much out there so, mm. which is why we are trying to help we don't want we don't need to be famous you know no. that's that's not the point of this mm. we're, we're just trying to talk about a lot of the issues we care about and hopefully mm. you care about or maybe you don't care about it and make after listening to this you start to take an interest in it exactly. just small things at a time i think i think one of these big changes it's all it all starts small it's mm. not about sort of changing mainstream's idea of what asians are mm. it's maybe changing five people's thoughts mm. and maybe they tell another five people each and, and that's so, the goal yeah that's, that's all that the matters, goal it's right? just a small ripple exactly exactly and i think that's like precisely what jeff and i have been through and actually what I think we're still going through, right? Like this constant unpacking of our dual identities rooted in both like our personal ethnicities and what that's like to grow up in a Western country like Australia. Um, and I think that really started from school, to be honest. Yeah, for sure. So, hey, Jeff, what was your family life like growing up? Um, growing up was pretty interesting experience i think uh i grew up in doncaster which is sort of actually no that's not really relevant is it it's okay just keep going yeah. Yeah. um i guess in my household my mm, i grew up predominantly with just my mom because my dad still worked overseas until i was about eight years old so i didn't really see him until then so it was predominantly just my mom and my grandparents and for the first maybe Oh, 14, 15 years of my life, I definitely lived under a tiger mum household. It was mm. pretty... In- it, it's very standard, I think. Mm. You know, I learned two instruments. Um, <laughs> you can probably guess what those are. <laughs> piano and violin. I had a lot of math tutoring. I studied a lot. And I was just like a little fat kid because I never exercised. And all I did was just study and play piano. And I think it was one of those things where growing up, you just associate that sort of traumatic side of those experiences versus what you actually got out of it. Mm. Uh, I think, like looking back at it retrospectively, it's it's it was it was a learning experience. It was, it was character development, mm, um, one way to think about it. But I think my parents just sort of had a different. I think like children of immigrants, they like come over and they don't teach you in a way that's like catered to a western society they mm. teach you what they know because no one's no one's a parent before like obviously the first time you have a child that's the first time you have a child you like there's no experience before it that can really sort of teach you how to do it so they only do what they know and you know they pass on their learned experiences how they were brought up mm. and a lot of the time in a lot of asian countries that's like a harsh way of growing up you know it's strict um there's less freedom and they just kind of want you to be the best you can be because i think a lot of the time just stems from the fact that it's fear oh, 100%. fear that like you won't succeed mm. in this new country mm. where you're not technically a native mm. um but yeah what about you 
Well, uh, to link to that point, I think that's why there's this really like tough love that's imposed on, you know, typically children of immigrant parents. And the reason why we all have extra maths tutoring, English tutoring, it was to get ahead, right? And I think when you're not from a country like Australia, you know, you come from, you go, you leave your home country to immigrate to Australia, to a new country. And the best way and the most efficient way to like make it to the top and like to be successful is to literally like, you know, get ahead, right? Like that, I think that's the reason why class and status and like the mm. job that you have and the education you get are so important to Asian parents because that's like the fastest way to like, yeah, make it, you know? Yeah, you, correct. Like, I think that's why professions like being a doctor yeah. are so sorted after because you know it's like the most i think ronnie chang said this in his like comedy special but it's like instant prestige instant money instant yeah. success yeah you turn around a whole generation in literally one through one person yeah you know yeah exactly so yeah i think that experience is very anecdotal of um so many other immigrant children like that definitely was like that with me as well i also learned piano and violin i also had lots of tutors <laughs> Um, and I definitely had tiger parents too. Um, I think that was also compounded by the fact that I was a girl. And I think sexism is something that Asian cultures are still grappling with. I mean, this is something to be unpacked in another episode because there's so much to unpack through that. But I think that was definitely a reason why my parents were extra protective of me. And But, you know, besides that, I, I think I had a pretty happy childhood. Like, I loved piano um i remember i grew to resent it though because mm. it got to the point where i was like why am i doing this yeah but i, I do love it again I, I do think it's a great hobby and i'm very grateful that my parents pushed me through that i think that was the same actually with going to be at school did you have that similar experience with chinese school like, yeah yeah chinese school was like it was more of a social thing than anything yeah yeah it's because it was just like you go there and you make friends and like you can hang out but during the chinese classes obviously there were kids who were genuinely interested in learning Mm. Um, but a lot of the time it was kind of just, why am I here? Mm. Like, why am I on, like doing an extra day of school? Exactly. It's like, you know, three hours yeah. of your weekend off when all your friends, you know, your white friends in particular were like playing footy or yeah, like, or, like playing outside. sport yeah. and like, doing other stuff. Yeah. And we're like stuck in a classroom, like learning this language that, because by that time you can kind of, you can kind of speak the language. Mm. You're just like learning how to write it and all the grammar and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And then for me, I just felt like, why do I need to... I don't need to learn this. I can already speak the language. And it was never, it was never a positive experience. I never looked at it like fondly. It was always just like a chore mm. and a huge burden. But do you find that in hindsight now that you're so grateful for that? You know, oh, you've got sure. like yeah. a language, you know, another language up your sleeve. Yeah, absolutely. You can communicate to your parents, your yeah. family. And actually that's something that's, I th- that's, I think is so um, typical of like Asian families and parenting and just, what it's like growing up it's like gratitude through hindsight yeah. at the time you're not yeah. understanding why these things so are happening true. why you're being treated why you know yeah. so many strict um rules are imposed upon you but then yeah. you look back and you're like i get it yeah and i think that's what this podcast is about right we're no, like correct. we're trying to get yeah. it right my mom was always like you will thank me when you're older did your parents say that yeah oh, yeah. 100%. She, yeah she was just like was always you know, right. you're going through some pain <laughs> right now but you know when you're older 
and you know my mom always said like oh when you graduate university you are going to tell me oh thank you mom for all the work that you've done for me and, and have I you said that i have oh yeah because we, we she told me that yeah. i was like eight years old i'm like i'm not gonna thank yeah. you you've just been making me like do all this extra work and stuff <laughs> and then when i actually graduated university i was like yeah okay thanks and look how well-rounded we both are i know so yeah. shout outs to the parents shout out to immigrant parents correct um but let's talk about high school though because i feel like for both of us primary school was just a time where yeah. i don't know about you but i just didn't really think about my identity like i was Not like really. cool no like i'm having a great time with my friends at school yeah. and i think it also helped um it was also helped by the fact that my school was predominantly full of vietnamese kids okay and i think that was a choice that my parents had made just because i didn't really learn english until school and they wanted me to be able to make friends with people who spoke my language. So yeah. if I went to like a white school when I was you know, a kid, I would have struggled making friends because I didn't speak English. Yeah, yeah. Uh, English was my third language as well. Third language? Yeah. What was your first two? Uh, I learned Cantonese first and oh, then I learned Mandarin. Yeah, and then, and then English was my first, third one. So before, well in Australia, we have kindergarten, which is the year before prep i have no idea what that's called in other yeah countries. preschool I preschool yeah. yeah preschool yeah no that's that's yeah. probably it and when i was at preschool i barely spoke english mm. because i just hung out with all the asian kids because we could all speak like cantonese and mandarin and stuff mm. but yeah you're right like going through primary school like i don't really remember points of like uh i guess like who am i like you know, mm. um, am I different from everyone? That sort of stuff. Because I think you're a kid. You don't think about that no, not as much. I yeah. think the aware- self-awareness isn't as high and you're just focused on fun mm. in a lot of ways. Mm. So, yeah, you're correct. Um, wasn't really until we went to I went to high school that really thought about that. So, yeah. yeah so do you want to tell us about your high school experience? Because we, we lived through a lot of similar things, mm. which we found out because mm. we met at university. Uh, and then I think when we talk about our high school experiences, there's like a lot of crossover. Oh, and yeah. Yeah. So why don't we start us off? And yeah, of course. So I went to my high school. Like I came to my high school um, in year five, actually. And I stayed there until year 12. And yeah, look, on the whole, it was an amazing time. Like I loved my school. I loved my friends. I felt like, you know, this sounds so corny, but you made me the woman I am today. You know, there were so many amazing teachers that I had and I was yeah constantly surrounded in an environment where I felt supported and I learned a lot that being said that being said (laughs) a lot of internalized racism um I think that you know you get to a point where you know you're no longer a kid you're a teenager and the only thing that you want to do is fit in you know like you you want to be with the cool people and you want to be able to you know you know just like feel like everyone else because at that point in time you want to be like everyone else and I remember feeling like the first time I, f- I think I felt othered or I felt different was when it was year seven orientation. And then I walked into my classroom with all these like, you know, bunch of new kids. And I was the only Asian. I was the only person oh, really? of color. Yeah. And I remember being like, oh, OK, weird, but like whatever. But then I think the more, you know, high school progressed, the more I felt incredibly othered, but in a you know, I would say like, um, adverse way. Like it wasn't like, Oh, you know, I'm unique. And therefore like, I'm proud of that. It was more mm. like, wow, I'm different. And I don't want to be. And I remember that like peaked in year eight. Like, I think that was like the lowest point where it was a music class. We had like, um, like a world music session and this person had come in and they were playing all these different tracks from these different, um, countries and cultures. 
And then he played a Vietnamese folk song. And I remember he asked the audience, is anyone here like Vietnamese? And I did not raise my hand. Really? You know, like that. And I, I look back at that and I cringe and I just feel so ashamed of that moment. And I look back now and I'm just like, wow, I feel like I, I wish I could go out to like year eight Isabella and be yeah. like, hey, it's going to be okay, you know? Yeah. But at that time, you know, like it, it's terrifying in itself to be able to raise your hand and be like, hey, I'm like acknowledging that I'm different and I'm okay with it. I think that's, that takes a lot of courage. And I didn't think at that point in time I had, I think I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have the maturity and the vernacular as well, mm. I think to understand why I was feeling the way I was feeling. Like yeah. I didn't know what internalized racism was. I didn't even know that was a concept that existed. Yeah. Um, but I did feel like, you know, it, it got better and it got worse. Like I felt like, you know, it wasn't a case where there were overt, forms of racism you know no one was calling me names or anything but it boiled down to very simple things like oh your parents have weird sounding names or wow your lunch smells really weird and mm. really pungent and uh, you know as a kid or as a teenager like that I remember that just stuck with me and it felt wrong and I remember going home being like mom like can you make me sandwiches mm. and I was like I look back and I'm like why she made me amazing bunby and she yeah. made me amazing food and rice that. and yeah. noodles yeah. <laughs> And I made, and you know, I forced her to make me like a bloody like ham and cheese sandwich. Oh, like, God, what? <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. So yeah, and I, I don't think it was until uni that I, I began to unpack that. But yeah. let's talk about your high school experience. Yeah, I think I went through a similar thing. It was kind of like phases. Um, so both of us went to private schools, which were predominantly yeah. um, Western people. Uh, so I'd, I'd say probably from my year level, it was probably about like eighty to 85% white people and then the rest were like mixed um, between Asians and Indians and um, everyone else and I think yes seven was still kind of a chillish time where everyone kind of still hung out together and didn't really see any problems then Um, and then year eight for some reason all I wanted to do was hang out with Asian people Mm. so I went through this weird phase of like hanging out with like Asian people and it was just like exclusively Asians and um, there's an area in Melbourne called Box Hill um, which is like like basically just an Asian neighborhood like there's a lot of Asian stores there all the sort of food and restaurants are predominantly Asian as well so it's very much like catered to that kind of community and there was kind of like a bunch of people who from different schools that used to go there and everyone was Asian and it was kind of like it was not a gang by any means. No, it's not. it wasn't a gang, but it was just a group of people who just like came from different schools and everyone just happened to be Asian and like to hang out with them all the time. And that happened for about a year and a half. And at that time, I'd started rowing. Um, mm. So rowing was rowing's a big tradition at the school I went to. And there's, the, there's a huge program sort of set around it that uh, if you want to sort of perform in the sport, you have to train a lot and a lot and a lot. Um, there were sort of weeks where you would train like between like 15, 16 times a week. Cause it would be like morning, lunch, mm. after school and you repeat and you repeat and you repeat. And Damn, that's yeah, so I was a fat kid and I really want, <laughs> I can't, I cannot stress that enough. I was a fat kid and you know, oh, I was Jeff. <laughs> I, uh, actually going back to primary school. One of my biggest fears was like, am I ever going to kiss a girl? Like, I was oh, so, I was so fat. And so I get to high school and that really starts to like set in for me. And so I was like, I need to lose some weight. So I'm going to take this rowing thing super seriously. 
And so I didn't really have time to see my Asian friends anymore. I didn't have my recesses. I didn't have my lunch times. And so most of the people who were in the same boat that was sort of trying to take the sport seriously um, were white people. And so I used to hang out with them heaps and slowly and slowly we all became friends. And I think at that time it was kind of like a, I think I was relatively competitive in the sport, but it was just like, I could see the gap, Mm. you know, like Mm. in year seven, I was considered tall because I like went through puberty early and then year nine, year 10, Mm. year 11, Mm. everyone just skyrocketed. They Mm. were taller. They were like stronger than me. And I was just like, damn. Do you think that like, do, do you find that there was a difference in how like teachers, like as, I guess like your rowing coaches like viewed you and like did they treat you differently from like your? I think they were. I think they were just a bit surprised yeah. that I was sort of taking it so seriously because it wasn't the norm. Because right. like obviously like Asians pick sports like table tennis and badminton, badminton. and or they pick one of the mm. sports that no one else does like orienteering and like mm. that sort of stuff. So it was a bit of a surprise. And that um, I wanted to actually continue in the sport. I think after that, it was kind of like there were there were jokes, you know, when when we rode together. Like there was there was definitely jokes, and um, obviously when you look back at it, it was like it's like offhand racism. It's like those like tiny jokes where it's like it's probably not a it's not doesn't come from malicious attitudes, but it's also like. The fact that it's kind of okay is a problem. I think that's more insidious though, you know? Yeah, so like that, yeah. It is okay, right? Yeah. To make those things and make Obviously it's not, but like for for a lot of people, they think Mm. it is. Mm. And, you know, obviously I made the mistake of wanting to fit in. And so like you hear those kind of jokes and you're like, ha yeah, like, you know, you just go along with it. Um, Can't actually think of one off the top of my head, but all that sort of stuff. Like you just, you just go along with it and you think it's completely okay. Mm. And I think it happened enough times where I actually believed it. Oh. It's just like, you just think that's like, okay oh, behavior. Course, yeah. And I think like towards the end of high school, it was just about like, you know, I only hang out with white kids. Like I don't get people who only hang out with Asians. And like, I remember that's you used to be so proud weird. of that. Right? Yeah. I was so proud of oh it. I was just God. like, you know, like, you know, I've managed to like, you know, make all these like, you know, cool quote-unquote yes. like cooler friends and you know all the asians just like clump together and it's just like why don't you like get out of your circle literally like and, you know it's now crazy. i think about that now i'm just like i just want to throw up i'm like i want to, i look at photos of myself yeah. I'm like dude who who yeah. the fuck were you yeah oh like let's unpack that you know the idea that like you know proximity to whiteness equates to coolness right like i think the fact that like we even thought that like wow we're hanging out with these white kids that makes us cool implies that we see ourselves as inferior as like asians as like the inferior like you know like the inferior people and i think that is so problematic and like but that's the thing like it happened to like so many asians yeah yeah so many it's it's happening like everywhere right now you know it's, it's a common occurrence yeah what do you think that's rooted in I think it's just the standard. Yeah. Um, like, obviously, we, we're growing up in a Western country, so the standard is whiteness. Yeah. And if, if you're not the standard, then you're probably below it. Yeah, and it's like, you don't, if you don't see yourself represented, right? Yeah. Then how are you going to, like, ever be yeah. able to, like, aspire to that? Exactly. You know? So, like, I think, I think yeah, the other day I like, messaged you. I was like, oh, we should talk about role models. Oh, my God. And I was like, and I was like oh, who was your role model growing up? And you were like Mulan. Literally Mulan. It's like a, it's a I fictional had no character. 
What do you mean? It was like Mulan and what? Like Lucy Liu? You know, yeah. like there were no Asian women yeah. in positions of power that I could look up to exactly. and be like, wow, I want to yeah. be her. And yours was what? Like Mine was Yao Ming. Yeah. Maybe besides Jackie Chan, probably the most well-known wow. Asian person there is. Like... Literally, my fav- my number when I play basketball was 11 mm. because of the Yao Ming's number. Mm. That's still my favorite number <laughs> for no apparent reason um, than other-, other than the fact that it was my favorite number growing yeah. up. And it's just because like I play basketball because I saw an Asian guy in the NBA. Can you like, that That in itself yeah. is crazy to yeah. think, right? Literally, that's how important representation is. And like we don't think about that growing up because it's just like, you can't control what you view. Mm. It's just like you look in the news. Mm. It's a white guy presenting. Mm. Uh, you look at who's playing AFL. It's all white people. Mm. And, you know, everything you look around you is just an indication of, like, in a way, what's achievable. Mm. And, you know, that's why representation is so important. Oh, speak on it. Louder for the people in yeah. the back, honestly. Correct. So, you know... Obviously, both of us have had similar experiences in growing up in immigrant households. But there's a reason why, you know, our parents left their respective countries. Have you had a chance to go back to China? Not recently. Uh, I used to go every single year, I think, from when I was like two years old all the way to when I was like 15. And obviously, like when you go back, like you're you're kind of treated like an outsider. Mm. Because you obviously like... You can speak Vietnamese, right? Yeah. And I can speak Mandarin and, and Cantonese and stuff, but it sounds different. It sounds different. It sounds different. Oh like, we can't replicate an mm. authentic sound if you're not in that environment. Like, just, despite being fluent. You yeah, know, you despite still can't being do fluent. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's just not... You, even though you think it's correct, mm. to them, it's instantaneous. Mm. Like, they know you're not from there. Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of, like, treated as an outsider amongst mm. people that look like you mm. or, like have similar names and mm. you know can speak a similar language and even though you're sort of part of the same culture you still feel like an outsider so i think because of that experience i kind of slowly grew to dislike going back to china right. it was just like uh, oh what's the point in going back like back there like yeah. you know no one's to hang out with me like all the, like all the younger people just like they like different things mm. and i don't get it and then i think it's one of those things where that also contributes to how you view yourself. It's just like, oh, like I'm not treated as one of them even when I'm there. So like, what's the point in going back? Like I may as well slowly reject that part Mm. of my identity as well. But I think now that I'm much more comfortable with who I am, I really want to go back. Yeah. Like really, really go back and like spend all the time. Like I've, I've traveled like pretty extensively Mm. and I think like I've always just neglected going back and I think it's one of the, I think it's about time I go back to China and kind of see the country as a whole. I think that'd be really lovely. Yeah. I think that'd be really lovely. Yeah. What about you? Um, I mean, quite similar. Um, I, yeah, we always went to Vietnam at least once a year from when I was one. Obviously with Miss Rona in the midst. Yeah. Uh, plans have changed. Yeah. Times have changed. Um, but I do remember loving going back. But I do remember it also being... I want to say a bit traumatizing as well because I go back and I'm like, why does this feel so intensely familiar but so alien mm. as well? And I True. think that is rooted in the fact that, so there's a Vietnamese word for this and it's called like Viet Gil, yeah. which means like an overseas Vietnamese. And I think there oh, are okay. so many of those because, you know, there was a civil war yeah. and after a civil war, um, so many Vietnamese like fled. 
And most of the Vietnamese diaspora are like scattered across like America, France and Australia. Yeah. So I think there's also like a reticence on my family's part, I think. I think for them as well, going back to Vietnam also is it I'm not saying it's traumatizing, but I do feel like they left for a reason. Yeah. And you go back and you know, my parents act as if they're tourists almost, you know, like it, yeah. it, it doesn't feel as if like they're home and they're like, I'm home in Vietnam. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is a place I grew up in and like I love, but like home is in Australia. Yeah. Opportunities are in Australia. Our lives are in Australia. So I think that in itself translates to me never really feeling like I'm Vietnamese because yeah. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what it's like growing up here. I don't know yeah. what life is like, even though I know everything that you're saying and I know, I eat the food that you're eating. Yeah. And I understand the way of life, but at the same time, I, I don't. And I think that is has been such a interesting tension to grapple with. And I think what's sad is the fact that I don't think that's ever going to go away, you know? And maybe that's yeah. the same with you too. I, I don't think it's one of those things where I can just like... I mean, maybe if we went back and lived there mm. for a little while, mm. and then it's sort of like slowly and slowly, you basically pick up all those little nuances that sort of differentiate us from them. Um, but yeah, I don't think that's really going to be one of those things. Right. Yeah, like, are we going to constantly be stuck between these two worlds? Like being in Australia, you know, I'm a Vietnamese Australian, but when I'm in Vietnam, I'm Australian Vietnamese. And yep. I think, yep. yeah, similar yep. to you, yeah, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like these identities are constantly in flux, but maybe that it is what it is. It yeah. a bit like that. I think, you know? yeah, I think, I think it's one of those things <laughs> that you just, in a way you kind of just need to accept yeah one of those things and i think like the the way to do it is just to not view it too negatively yeah i mean yeah. i think there's a beauty in that yeah you know? i think so like being in flux yeah i think like at the end of the day it's not like they they don't treat you negatively i think no. they just point out those differences mm. um and i think if you don't take it too seriously it's it's not gonna impact you in a super negative way mm. um but definitely something that yeah i, I do think about sometimes about like going back to China. Mm. It's always like, yeah, a little apprehensive. And I wonder anyway. like what our lives would have been like if we grew up in China or grew up in Vietnam. I lived in China for like seven months. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So like I went back because dad wanted me to obviously be closer to mm. him. And I went to a kindergarten there. Oh my God. And I just, like, I had to leave. My parents yeah. were like, he's not, he's not a cut, like, mm. he's not blending in well. He's not like, there's no cohesion. Even though you were like yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a very wow. weird. I think um, I don't actually know the details, but essentially, my mum told me that it just wasn't working for you. Like you just hated it so That's much. That's fascinating. But I have no memories of it. I think I was like five, so it must be. I feel like you sh- mm. should remember some stuff of when you're five. Mm. So it might have been traumatic, and I just buried it. <laughs> I just buried it. <laughs> oh my yeah, god! Yeah, so I don't remember too much of my time there, but apparently, it just didn't work out. Wow, I just, that's so surprising that it starts so young, you know, like you wouldn't have thought so. And we transition to university, which is kind of where for both of us, it all changed. Yeah, Yeah. and actually I'm still there. Um, And to be honest, I think that I'm still unpacking, you know, I'll catch myself in moments where I'm like, oop, oop, that wasn't a nice racism, (laughs) oop, oop, gonna call myself on that one. But I do feel like, you know, at university you realise that high school is not your world. It's not, it's, it's just a bubble. 
And I think you, the exposure to so many different kinds of people from all walks of life, exposure to academics, exposure to like all these amazing, like, especially in arts as well. I, yeah, I found arts sure. to be particularly incredible for that. Yeah. Um, where you really begin to kind of like unpack ways of thinking and like, you know, like even things like, do you remember doing power and like reason? And yeah. Like, yeah. These are like foundations. I did identity actually. Yeah. And yeah. like. I just think those, you know, it looks, it sounds so corny, but like, I remember I definitely developed critical thinking skills from that. Yeah. That's only like, you know, only ever improved as I've like grown over the years. Yeah, for sure. And I think like once you learn those skills, you kind of apply them to yourself in a way. Oh, absolutely. Because a lot of those subjects, it's like, you think the name power, mm. reason, identity, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like such a broad topic, but it's like. It's very relevant to yeah. everything that's around you. Like Absolutely. everything is rooted in one of these core principles. Mm. And I think like once you start learning, I guess, the foundations of that idea, you start mm. to sort of think, oh, like where does this kind of apply to? Oh, exactly. And, and then, yeah. And I felt like that applied to, you know, even all aspects of my identity, right? Mm. Like the concept of feminism to me, you know, like I remember in year 12, year 11, like I didn't really understand it. I was like, yeah, I'm a feminist, but like, yeah. you know, I never read yeah. feminist literature. I never yeah. <laughs> read, you know, any feminist theories or, oh, I didn't know anything about it. And I remember, you know, going to uni and like doing these amazing classes and actually sitting down and being like, whoa, like what? Like yeah. my mind, you know, like I, know. I just felt like you realize that there's so much out there and there's so many talented people writing about these things and you just want to like, you know, lap everything up. But I guess my point being that like, I think at uni, you are not exposed to just white people. Yep. You're not exposed to just white ideas. I mean, I'm not saying that like my school didn't just taught me just like Western concepts, but I do feel like you get more of an array of diverse thinking and diverse people. And that itself translates into, you know, I guess being exposed to people who look like you, who think like you, it, mm. it kind of makes you recalibrate like what you think. Yeah. You absolutely. know? Yeah. I think like, the great thing about university is it doesn't matter who you are. You oh, will find yeah. people who have similar interests to you. Mm. Like for us at our, our university, there was, there was like clubs with like pirates and oh my God, llama yeah. appreciation. Like <laughs> even the wackiest stuff, you will find people mm. who like that sort of stuff. And mm. I think that's like such a beautiful thing. Yeah. And um, I think it gives you the freedom as well to be like, to unpack your identity and be like, yeah. I'm proud of that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like some when after I went to university, it was kind of like, one of the saddest realizations I had, I think, was when I look back at high school and you think of those people who were like, quote, unquote, uncool. Mm. Like the people yeah. who did like chess club, oh or like all that God. sort of stuff. And then you think like they probably have a stronger sense of identity than you ever did. Oh. Like they was comfortable not adhering to like the cool norm and like they're actually the cool ones. Oh my and, like, God, actually way. though. Yeah. No, like, I completely Yeah, I always thought about that and I was just like, oh. Such an asshole. I know. Yeah, why do yeah. we conform? Yeah. You know? Why, why, why was I like... Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, you realize the older you get, the more important is to differentiate yourself. Right? Yeah, and exactly. And be unique and be proud in your differences. Yeah. Like um, hearing about people's like weird hobbies or like all the different interests. that mm. They're like, yeah, that's cool. Like I want to learn about that stuff. Like yeah. not everyone's just a standard... I don't know the word. I'll think it's about okay. it. It's next. okay. It's yeah. okay. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. So I think like, yeah, for both of us, university was that kind of like breaking moment, like that little i guess caterpillar emerging no butterfly emerging moment out of the cocoon where it's just like <laughs> oh you know th this is it no and it really was. yeah i think talking to all our friends um about doing this podcast and you know why we want to mm. do it or like just before that even so many people have that 
realization of when we get older like i think one of the first conversations i had with a work friend who i hadn't seen in a while was exactly that she was just like why did you know she was like i was thinking the other day why did i only hang out with white people Mm. (laughs) and just like i think everyone kind of goes to this path and i think sometimes when you emerge from the other side you kind of want to forget the past but i think for, for both of us, we think it's important to sort of talk about it. Oh, absolutely. And especially if, like, you're still trying to unpack and you're still trying to figure out things, like maybe hearing about someone who's gone through a similar experience mm. would just help in that process. Mm. And I think now that Isabella, like, us and I always sort of had these conversations, we were like, we, we have to do this. Like, we have, yeah. to, we have to create this platform um, where we can share and in a lot of ways just be vulnerable i think yeah i think there's not much out there detailing this experience and it's not talked about it's not sort of represented in a lot of media um no real like tv shows about it where you can just watch that it's not the kardashians or anything (laughs) (laughs) so imagine yeah so i think this is one of those places where it is just an open space to be vulnerable and to unpack Mm -hmm. um what it's like to be essentially an Asian growing up in a Western country and in our context, an Asian Australian. And sort of, we were, we were kind of talking about who was this podcast for Uh, sort of like, Oh, who's the demographic? Like, is it only just for like Asian people? Is it just for Asian Australians? And I think it's important that it be non-exclusive. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's important that it's, catered to everybody who's actually interested in the subject yeah as we were saying like for people who've lived through a similar experience maybe you're feeling lost maybe you're sort of still coming to terms with the things you've experienced and a lot of the time i find for me just hearing about something like uh, i was was watching a video the school of life you follow that oh yeah is amazing yeah Yeah. and i think a couple years ago they released a video it was just like how to get along with people Mm. Um, one of their like broad topics and stuff like that and essentially it was talking about it's not about sharing accomplishments it's like sharing vulnerability I yeah. absolutely agree with that yeah and yeah. I've definitely carried that forward and mm. I think this is definitely what it's for and Isabel and I talked about this we're both going to be quite raw yeah I think that's the goal and that's the thing I, I feel like issues of identity of belonging that's not universal to just Asian Australians so I think even though we are Asian Australians and the things that we are talking about will be more specific to the Asian Australian experience, I think on the whole, what we were trying to achieve is, yeah, creating a safe space and, um, a, yeah, a, a space that facilitates rawness, vulnerability when we talk about what it's like to feel lost, but to eventually make your way out of that tunnel. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's a nice segue. And... Um, we're just going to give some like details about this. Uh, we've got a couple episodes planned for this year. Um, Schedule-wise, we're looking at every month or so, but obviously things change. Um, we might put out more. Um, just obviously at the moment, everyone's in isolation, so there's <laughs> nothing else to do. <laughs> so you might be hearing from virus. us. Yeah, you might be hearing from us every week or every day. Okay, no, not that much. Uh, and I guess. We've got a couple like broad themes we want to talk about. We did touch on a couple from upbringing all the way to sort of environments we're in. Um, we talk about sort of workforce. We talk about um, 
things like weight of expectations, you know, all the stuff that um, is very common in a lot of immigrant households. And we're definitely looking at getting some guest speakers as well. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, we're aiming for Bong. We're aiming for Andrew Yang. We want Bong. Yeah, <laughs> we want Bong. Yeah. Parasite, come on. That's yeah. like the best topic to talk about in yeah. terms of representation. Exactly. Um, but, you know, I think what we're talking about won't be limited to just our experience. We also want to have people in the field who know what they're talking about. Correct. Like, you know, we don't proclaim to be academics, so yeah. we'd love to get lecturers on board and writers and researchers. Um, yeah, there are so many things to talk about. And I think that's the beauty of a topic like this. We can talk about a range of things that stem from why do we all play piano to a mixed race identity and discussing these topics of non-Asian people and feminism and so many different things to unpack. So Yeah, so we're very excited for this. Very excited. Um, and we're really excited to share this journey with you, the listener. So uh, thank you very much for tuning in to our very first episode. And we'll see you next time. Bye.